As a small business owner, have you ever felt overwhelmed by the pressure of choosing the right hire or leading a team? Or have you ever found yourself tolerating a bad hire because you fear trying and failing again as you repeat the hiring process? If so, you're not alone and you are in the right place. Welcome to the Growing Your Team podcast. The Growing Your Team podcast teaches business owners like you to expand your unique business by teaching you to master the hiring and team management process. Hiring and managing a team does not have to be a challenge. You just have to learn to do it right. And the Growing Your Team podcast teaches you how to become a confident leader who hires right every single time. Now, let's jump into the show where each episode, you will learn tips on how to identify what type of help you need on your team, how to source amazing candidates, how to conduct interviews that lead you to your idea team member, how to onboard successfully, and how to lead every person in your business so you have a team of rock stars who you are happy to pay every single paycheck. So let's jump in and teach you how to hire like a pro. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Steve Rosen. Steve's passion and excitement over his entire career is coaching and mentoring leaders on how to effectively integrate an HR talent strategy with their marketing and sales efforts so they always have the right people on staff to support the additional projects that are generated. Throughout his work, the parts of the hiring process that he specializes in are candidate search makeovers to uncover hidden talent, coaching hiring managers on how to be successful and compliant during the interview process, LinkedIn and other social media profile coaching for best place to work branding, comp negotiation strategies to land prize candidates, and career development coaching to help develop your employees and retain them on your teams. In this conversation, Steve and I are talking about leveraging employee reviews. While employee reviews are a great time to talk about how a team member is excelling or not excelling at their day-to-day responsibilities, there's a lot of other value that can come during employee review conversations. Steve is giving us an insight on how to really leverage those conversations to learn about your employees and gather insights that will help your organization grow. So let's jump into the conversation and learn how you can use employee reviews to strengthen your business and your team. Hi, Steve. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast. Oh, thanks, Jamie. I've been wanting to get on the show. I've I've heard quite a few of your episodes and um, I was like, I, I need to get on there. So I'm glad that the opportunity finally came. 
Yes, yes. I'm glad that we were able to reconnect and get you on the show. I know that as we'll get into in today's conversation is we kind of provide some similar services, but to some different audiences. And you have some great tips and everything that you're going to share with us today to help people really improve their relationships with their teams, having the right people on their teams and all that great stuff. But before we get into that, Steve, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your business? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have been in the talent acquisition space for or over 20 years. Um, started out in agency headhunting um, and then moved over to corporate probably the last 15 years, all within the tech industry, technology health, as well as um, helping to hire sales teams, all, all with that specialization. Um, currently, I've I work uh, as a recruiter at GitHub, but on the side, I do some consulting, uh, helping leaders in the tech space with, um, you know, anywhere from career directory, taking a look at what their next career pivot might be, all the way to the other side is, hey, how do I improve my teams? You know, how how do I get the right tech talent in? Um, more than more than that is just um, workflow streams. You know, not just putting bodies in seats, but actually taking a look at where your business is, um, where your business is going, and then the type of um, chemistry, type of talent, type of skills in in order to take that. So so it's more than just, you know, <laughs> I need a I need a widget. Okay, here's your widget. It's it's a lot of workforce planning, which, which to me is the fun part. Yes, I agree. I find that to be the fun part as well. You know, it's not just about putting bodies in seats. It's making sure you have the right person that's there. And I feel like, I don't know about the people you work with, but I know the people I work with, sometimes they're just so much in the weeds and all they can really think about is I need somebody that they they're overlooking kind of that bigger picture when it comes to that hiring. So I love being able to kind of guide them and direct them saying, oh, no, 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 this stuff's important. This is actually what's going to make a huge difference in the person that you hire to make sure that they're the right person. Yeah. One of the things too, I find Jamie, especially with um, business owners, and it doesn't matter whether it's tech or retail or whatever, um, you know, they're getting their business started and they're, you know, the biggest thing they focus on is sales and marketing, getting those clients and getting those projects in. And that's, that's great. You know, you need that to thrive. But one of the things that, um, you know, I, I like to bring to the table to clients I work with is, you know, let's, let's go to a spot. What if your sales and what if your marketing is doing the right job, you're getting extra business, you're getting um, extra projects. And if you don't have enough staff, it's like a domino effect, um, not in a good way. Your your staff gets overwhelmed, um, mistakes happen, frustration happens. And then the next step is, okay, I, I need to relieve my staff. And then you get into 911 hiring mode. And, and that's where bad hires come into play and and mistakes on projects. So it's it's worse than not getting the business. So so you know the the story I like to tell you know clients and is hey, you know, Think about HR. You want to have an HR infrastructure in place along with your sales. It's like the building blocks of your house. So, yes. 
Yeah. And I think that's so important. You bring up like the question that people ask all the time. It's like, well, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Do you hire the people to bring in the business or do you hire the people to support the business that's going to be brought in? And I know like one of the things that I say, because I work with typically really small businesses, so their teams are lean and everything. Mm-hmm. My advice is, well, where can you or someone else on your team step in quickly to offer that support while you're filling in that additional piece? So if you're a person that's really great at the sales and knows that you can do the sales really well, hire the person who can do the work because that person can start taking over your work while you transition to focus on the sales. If you're like, okay, the sales isn't my good thing, but if I don't have to worry about the sales, and I could take on more clients as a result, then you hire the salesperson because you can help fill in that gap that's needed on the actually working with client side until then you have the money to hire that person to work with the clients. And then the other thing I say is sometimes we have to realize that we hire sales, it's then going to produce this. So if you can afford it, you hire that salesperson and then almost immediately start hiring the person that can support the business that that salesperson is going to bring in. So that way they're up and trained by the time that salesperson actually starts bringing in that business. Yeah, you make a great point, Jamie. And, and I'll take it a step further. One thing I've started, um, not so much selling, but but advising my clients and services is, is, and I've helped them build recruiting engine models. And so when they first hear that, it's like, well, recruiting, well, I don't have a need. Why do I want to recruit? And and there's two different, there's hiring and then there's recruiting. So like if I were to ask, and the, the question I immediately asked them is, all right, you just made your your great your great sale, you're, you're excited and stuff. Do you, do you drop the phone? Do you stop making calls? Do you say, they go, no, no, you keep selling. Well, that's the same thing, same motion that you want to go on the recruiting size. Just because you have, you're staffed up, you don't have a need. You should always be recruiting, getting out there, networking with the type of talent that you think you're going to need, keeping those conversations warm, letting letting those folks out there know what your business is and how it adds value, getting them excited, keeping on that list so that when you do have to hire, you know, A, you know the exact type of talent you need, and B, they're, they're warm phone calls as opposed to cold 911 and then getting in that desperation mode. Yeah. And I feel like that's so important. And for certain industries, I tell clients this all the time. You know, one of the clients that I typically don't take on is, you know, people that are looking for insurance sales, unless they're looking to have some insurance sales from the ground up being like, we're willing to train and everything. If they're looking for someone that's experienced, I would say, I won't take that on as a project because your idea candidate is going to come from networking not from anything that I can do. And so like, it's one of those things. It's telling them you always need to be networking and connecting with those people who could be your next hire because if someone's really good at sales, guess what? They're really good at sales, especially insurance sales where typically everyone's an independent contractor and not an employee. They're going to keep going at the company they're at unless there's huge problems with the ownership because they're doing well. So they're going to come over to your company because they see it as, Ooh, I want to work alongside that person, not I'm looking for a new job. So it's like, I think that's so important that you brought that up of kind of always networking and building your future pipeline, even when you're not hiring. And that doesn't mean having a job opening open that people are applying for, even when you're not hiring. Cause I know I'm not a fan of that because you don't want to take people's time to interview people, collect resumes if you actually have nothing for them. 
but it's those other things you can do to make it so people know your company, know your organization. So when you post that we're hiring, they're like, let me look into this job to see if it's right for me because I've been dying to work for this organization. Exactly. And, and yeah, that that's the, that's the motion. So. Yes. All right. I have one more question I want to ask you, and then we'll dive into the main topic that we're going to discuss today. That question is, and this is when I get a lot, is when you're hiring people that have to have real technical skills, they Mm -hmm. can't just know what to do. They need to know how to do it. How do you suggest to your clients or how do you go through when you're doing the recruiting to find out, does this person actually have experience or do they just know the terms and know how to talk about it? Great question. And so I, it's funny, I, I hire technical people, but I'm not very technical myself. Well, a, a little bit, but not. So, so one of the things I picked up is you, you don't know, they, they, especially now with chat GPT and all the things out there, you can easily go get terms and stuff. What, one of the things when, when I'm talking to folks out there in the technical realm is, you know, what, walk me through what you've done, you know, talk to me about a project talk to me about the the steps you took you know why you thought they were right the relationships that you've you know you know with other coworkers you've had to have an issue you know how do you react when you come to a roadblock and you just you can't figure out the answer and you get frustrated what you know does it throw you off where your whole days off or does it ignite a fire in you that you want to solve it just getting I like to ask a lot of open-ended questions to get people talking because um, although I may not quite understand what they're saying, if if they really have the knowledge, they're going to be able to walk it through where you could just gut instinct tell, hey, this person knows what they're talking about or B, you know, they, they don't. Because with some of those questions, when you get in those open-ended questions and getting talking, if they really don't have the skill set, they're they're going to cut they're going to shut down really quick it, it's going to be very obvious so that oh, yeah. that's one trick of the trade that i've learned in in assessing technical talent cuz that's the thing with tech talent um it's what i love about working in this industry is everything just grows and get, there's nothing that's been there i mean i mean you look at the evol- evolution of all the tech programs i mean evolution is happening every year, even less than a year. So, so it's not like you can, you know, like if you're in a profession, say as an accounting and you're using the same accounting system that's been used for 20, 30 years, you can learn that with tech, you're constantly growing and, and, and evolving. And there's just no way to know, know it all. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love how you talked about asking questions that are revolve around like, you know, projects, things that they've, they've done. So they actually have to explain how they've applied that knowledge. And even you brought up something, which I think is so powerful. And what a lot of people overlook is asking examples that specifically talk about challenges, how they work through things, because as you know, Steve, like in the, in the tech industry, if, especially if you're working with a coder, there's not one thing you're going to code and say, this is what I'm going to go in. This is what we planned on that team meeting when we were discussing it. I'm going to type my code. It's going to work exactly as I thought the first time with no problems. And then we go and present it to the client. Doesn't yeah. work that way at all. That's just all. my reality. 
yeah, there's going to be things where it's maybe a slight little typo in there where you have to go back and you have to troubleshoot to find out what's going on. It's things where you thought it was going to do A, but it ends up doing B when it communicates mm -hmm. to things other people are coding on their part of it. And so, you know, if someone, if you ask about a challenge and they sit there and say, well, I've never had those challenges you know that they probably actually That's have no experience implementing anything because there's no way you cannot experience this challenge challenges in some industries. So asking about challenges is more along the lines of, I'm not trying to catch you in errors or mistakes or critique how you screwed up. It's, I want to see how you deal with these things because things mm -hmm. aren't perfect in this industry. Things will go wrong. Um, you know, I'm helping a client that's hiring attorneys. And one of the things we ask about is say, you can work as hard as you want, want the best outcome from your client, think you have all your T's crossed, all your I's dotted, and things still don't work out in your favor because someone else is making a decision. So tell us about a time that happened and how it impacted you and how you move forward and things like that, because things happen. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. In, in my regular day job, every day, stuff's like happening where where I have to pivot. I'm dealing with a hiring manager that, you know, and, and it's not just the hiring manager, it's their teams that are all getting an input. So you're getting different, differing opinions. So it, it definitely throws curveballs. So yeah. Yes, yes, definitely. All right. Well, let's jump into the topic that we wanted to talk about. When awesome. I brought you this is the a topic podcast. That that's really, uh, really passionate about. So yes. I'm, excited oh, I'm so excited to dig in because I feel like, I don't know, maybe I've talked about this in one of the podcast episodes in our almost like 200 that we've had. So we don't talk about it enough, but it's so important, but it's also a topic I know many business owners just want to avoid completely because they don't know what to write. They don't know what to do. They just see it as time consuming rather than value added. And that is employee reviews. Yes. So they are so, so important. There's something you need to be doing as business owners. So kick us off, Steve. Like, let's, let's talk about why they're important. Let's start there. Well, so so first of all, you know, with what you're doing for your clients, you're you're working hard. You're, you're doing a lot of deep assessment with the end goal of bringing in talent that is going to be there, not, not only going to be there for a while, but going to be impactful with the job. You know, your, your clients, Jamie, are, they're not hiring you just to get a body in there, knowing that, you know, th with the with the goal of in four or five months, I'm going to call you back, Jamie, because I'm going to need a replacement. It's like I'm, I'm hoping to get that person in. So so that's the important part. So employee review shouldn't be that people shouldn't be scared about them. They should be excited about them because they're an opportunity, not just an opportunity for the employee, but an opportunity for um for the employer, for the company, it's the one time where you're, you have the ability to, to get feedback. You get to pick inside the brain and of, of your employee to see, you know, what, not only just what they've enjoyed in their job and, and that, but, you know, what, what do they enjoy about your company? You know, what, what are their career passions? What are their lifetime passions? You know, do they, what do they think of you as a company? Do they, do they, um, perceive your organization as a company that they want to stay at, they want to progress their career, that they they want to do the things that aspire them or inspire them, I should say. And, and can they do that? And and but unfortunately, 
I mean, there's so much information to, to get out of it. But unfortunately, the employee reviews, like you say, they're, they're feared, they're procrastinated. And then finally, when you have to do it, it's basically, you know, hey, you know, so here's everything you've done right, Jamie, over the past year. Here's some gaps that you need to work on. You know, do you agree with these? And 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 it's such a missed opportunity. So one of the one of the things that I'm I work with clients on is is revamping your your entire employee review and make it more of an opportunity. So the first thing in order to do something like that is you, you've got to create that comfort zone. You've got to create the employee review and make sure with the employee that it's you're creating a safe space. You're creating a collaborative space. You know, one of the things that hey, this is an opportunity, not not for me to review you to see what you've done well and what you haven't. Yeah, in overall, we're we're going to talk about these things. But Jamie, I see this as an opportunity. Is I want to really learn, you know, what what your passions are. You know, I want you to critique us as a company. I want you to critique me as a a manager. And again, anything you say during this time, there's no, you know, there's not going to be any retribution or anything. This is an open space. This is us having an honest conversation because I value you, Jamie, as an employee, and I want to do whatever I can to keep you here. And I can't keep you here if I don't know what you're thinking. So if you're coming out of the gate, you want to create that comfortable environment for the for the conversation. So before I move on, yeah, it looks like you may have a question too. I do. Well, I actually have a tip because people because some people are going to sit there and say, "Okay, creating that safe space. So how do I do that? You know, and and some of the things there. And one thing that I will say is. You can't create that safe space just during that review period. Otherwise, the employee is not going to trust you. If you're someone that it's like anytime your employee comes with you for feedback or a problem happens or things like that, and you jump all over them or you hold every little thing against them the rest of the year, they're never going to believe you. So you really need to create that safe space all year round. And sometimes it's, yeah, you're absolutely it's, letting, right. it's letting employees provide feedback. It's letting them kind of be vocal about things. And there's a difference between providing feedback and being vocal and letting your employees be negative. So if you have an employee that's always, always negative, always, I don't know, like I, I'm trying to think of the word to use that I'm trying to think right now, but just always in that negative headspace, well, that's that's not constructive. That's not productive. That's not doing things. But when you create a space that allows employees to be like, wow, today is a really hard day. This client was a really hard client to work with. I'm not complaining about the client, like I never want to work with them, but you're you're letting your employee tell you about what the things that happened. And it kind of it just changes that dynamic between you and your team members where they start to feel like they they can trust you. You know, they're not gonna, you're not gonna hold things against them all the time. And I, one of the things that I just remember is like one of my managers back when I was in corporate that I felt like I had the most growth when I was uh, reporting to her. Her office all the time was a safe space. And there was things I was in a management position and which meant I had to lead my team through a lot of change. And there was some of the change that I necessarily didn't agree with. I didn't see eye to eye with. I knew that, yes, this is good change at times, but getting there is super, super frustrating. And I could go into her office and like maybe the first two minutes, I could just 
be open and honest and then know like, okay, now I got to put my manager hat on. Now I got to be like, how are we going to lead the team through this? How are we going to guide this? Okay. Yes. I'm really frustrated with this, but now I see the value. Let's talk about those things that are productive, but she gave, she made it a safe place. And that's like some things you can do is like, how do you make it a safe place the entire year? So that way they trust you at review time. Well, a big part of it is the communication and, and letting them, letting them, you know, talk about what they're frustrated about, you know, without reacting to it, you know, listening and, and getting them more involved. So, so I'll give you an example. You, you brought up something um, that is helping a client with, um, they had, an I think every company has one of those employees that they're, they're just complainers, no matter what, even, you know, even on a great day or something, they'll find something to complain about. So, you know, and one of the things, so I had this client that asked for my help in consulting is like, I've got this employee and they're, they're great. Their work is awesome and everything, but they've just got such a negative attitude on everything about the company. You know, I, I am what I am. I'm a smaller company. I don't have the resources to provide some of the plush and premium, you know, benefits that, you know, a fortune 500 could afford to do. So one of the things I, I, I mentioned to, I advised is, okay, well, instead of um, conflicting with that employee, just let them know, you know, Hey, X, Y, Z, you know, I look, I, I understand you're frustrated. You know, I value you, you do great work here. Talk to, so talk to me about what the complaint is. And then I'm going to give you the autonomy to fix it. Meaning, meaning, you know, asking them, okay, so you're, you're upset or you have an issue with this situation or this particular, you know, whatever the problem is, how, if, if I were, if I were putting you in charge, if I were switching shoes with you, how would you go about and fix it? Tell me what your solution is, bring it to me. I'm going to listen to it. I want to see if we can implement it and solve this problem together. And and they started doing that. And the employee, their attitude, because now they had accountability, they had ownership. Before, a lot of times when people complain, it's because they really don't have the power to change it. They feel helpless. Right. And so the only way they can express their frustrations is venting. But if you give them power and say, okay, we're going to we're going to try to change it. And and it it may not be a situation where you can give them full autonomy to do everything, but I think just giving them whatever you can and, and trying to solve the problem. And, and this employees, because they were able to start shaping some of the things that were frustrating them, they felt powered. They, their production went up even more, but now they weren't, you know, they weren't, and, and that's your negative effects. It's not just having one person negative, but if, if they're working around other people and they're negative, they're turning that whole vibe negative. So, so that's something you want to nip in the bud. Did that answer your question or? Yes. Yes. I definitely think it did. And it's one of those things where people are like, I want a team of self leaders. How do I create a team of self leaders? And a part of it is you got to put accountability and responsibility where it belongs. You can't own all the accountability and responsibility. Even if they've never done it before, even if they've made some mistakes. You, you got to trust because if if you can't trust your employees, you honestly, you might as well not have them there. Right, right. Exactly. Okay. So we create the safe space for reviews. Okay. Now what? So that this is where the fun starts kicking in. So 
you want to talk about instead of so they're in reviews you know employees are their walls are up they're prepared for some of the usual questions that you get in reviews and instead um you, you keep it like an open-ended conversations like you know jamie so so talk to me over the past year how, how do you think things are done what, what do you you know what do you what have you done that you've like really loved and then i want to know tell me what you tell me what you're doing what you really don't like what you really hate tell tell me something that if if you if we could somehow do it eliminate it from your job and you know and and we'll try to work to see if we can do that but i i need to understand why and just getting getting people talking in a conversation as opposed to okay i'm used to the the 10 questions check 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 it's like you know talk to me about what you know what what have you done over the past year that you're really excited about really passionate about some other topics that you would want to talk about is Jamie, what, you know, what, what is it that you enjoy doing? You know, you know, not to get into your personal business, but what are, what are, you know, some hobbies, what, what are some passions that if you could intermit intermingle your personal life with your work life and do something, what, what are some things that you'd want to do? You know, what, what are some career aspirations that, you know, before you die that you would, you would love to love to do and, and you get them and you get it. So suddenly the comfort starts coming in, the walls start coming down, the information starts flowing. And, and that's, that's getting some valuable stuff. So then if you're finding out that, okay, yeah, Jamie's been working in product marketing, but she really wants to get into sales role. You know, she, she really wants to get in the sales role and she's talking about that. Then you have that information, and and that's the other thing um, where I find the old employee reviews do is like in that case, okay, well, Jamie's so valuable in product marketing, I I can't, you know, the the clients love her, I I can't take her out of that, you know, that's great. So then they'll then they'll they'll throw money at you to to stay in that role because they're thinking about themselves instead of thinking about you, and. And so getting that information, then it starts to, okay, all right. So now here's where the value of that information. Okay. Um, Jamie really wants to get into sales. Um, now what I can do is, all right, let me start trying to work Jamie into sales. And then let me start with a succession plan as far as, okay, um, let me have, get Jamie involved. Jamie, you know, let's get you into that sales role, but um, help. I, I need your help as well. We need to get somebody to kind of backfill you. And I just don't want anybody. I want you to do, you know, to be involved in the role and finding your backfill and getting them involved. And then the other information derived from this um, part is, you know, hey, Jamie, do you see a career here? Is there enough things to wet your whistle as far as your career aspirations that you can do here? in our organization, as opposed to having to go do that outside. And, and, and here's the thing, if you find out, Jamie, that honestly, with what your employee wants to do, that you're not going to be able to satisfy it. That's okay. Because then you at least know that, okay, uh, you know, as great as Jamie is, we're going to, we're going to lose her at some point. It's just unavoidable. And you can start doing succession planning. Now on the other end, 
Um, I'm going to get in the other piece, but I'm going to, I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask the question. I could go on and on. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like that's a, such great information. And I feel like those conversations are so important. And one thing that, you know, we often overlook, like Steve, as you mentioned, we look at what the person's doing well for us. And sometimes we forget to find out what do they really want to do. So that example that you gave when it's like, okay, this person does really well in this. I don't want to lose them in this, even though they're telling me that this isn't their career aspirations. So I'm going to throw them more money and I'm going to do these things that are going to make it so that way um, they feel like I'm valuing them because they have more money in this position. What's that person eventually going to do? Say, there's no opportunity here, even though I'm getting paid well, there's no opportunity here for me to do what I want to do. So I'm going to go elsewhere. Yeah, so money if, only gets you so far. It only yeah. suffices. It's a band-aid. So if you don't help them thrive the way that they want to thrive inside your organization, they're going to go elsewhere. They're not going to stay with you to do something that they don't want. And I feel like this is a topic we talked a little bit on the podcast. And some people that have come and talked about their teams have specifically shared stories like this, where mm -hmm. they lost a team member that they loved because they didn't have these conversations. And sometimes it's like, as that team member's going out the door and they look at that new position that team member's going to, they're like, whoa, 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 like you, you could have done that here, but there was never that conversation. So the business owner didn't know that person wanted to do that stuff. And the team member didn't know those opportunities were going to be available inside the organization. So the no communication created stories that didn't exist. They created a reality that didn't exist where both people could have been happy together still inside the organization. And then yeah. one of the things I know I talked about, I've shared the story a lot is one of my team members that essentially in some ways I told her to quit because we were talking about things she didn't like about the job and that was the job like that. I was like, I can change a lot of things. I can't change that. So if that's what you don't like, maybe this job isn't for you. And she even took that kind of as a, like a wake up call. It came back a few days later and she goes, oh my gosh, that was the most real and honest conversation a manager has ever had with me. And you're right. This job is not for me. And she ended up leaving and getting into something that she was happy with, which also meant I didn't have an employee anymore that I was having challenges with. And sometimes you're having, and this employee, she was good at what she did, but she just wasn't happy. And not happy employees, even if they're producing good quality work, are still a challenge when it comes to management because they're taking time that you don't necessarily have to give when you think about where else your time could be spent within your business. Question for you now, was that was it possible to find something in that organization that that employee love so that organization did because it sounds like she was a valuable employee i mean you know th that's the thing you don't you know you, you work so hard to find the talent you work so hard that the cost of training them and benefits you just because they can't do they're not interested in doing the job you don't necessarily having them walk out the door even though it it, it may lessen the stress for you and in, in dealing with it that's not necessarily a good thing because you want to try to keep the employee if you can. Yeah. And I definitely agree with that for her and what she wanted to go and explore and do. It didn't align with anything we sure, had going on sure. at the organization. 
And I feel like that's something that's way more possible a lot of times in bigger organizations. There's a lot more seats on the bus and someplace to fill it. Course, but course. a lot of times in smaller organizations, you might be on that tandem bicycle and you need someone that can pedal just as hard as you are and doing the things that you need to get done instead of someone that's then then hitching a ride. And it's like, well, yeah, I could make this position for you, but it's not going to benefit the organization. So sometimes we have to look at things and say, with small companies, when you have a small team is as much as I love this person, it's not the right time and place to keep this person on my team because we don't align anymore. And maybe there'll be another opportunity to bring them back later, but I'll actually be doing my business a disservice by keeping them and creating a position for them or or things like that, rather than saying, I need to find who's right for me. So I think that's one of those things. I think you bring up a very, very good point, Steve, is sometimes look to see what you can do to keep someone, but also don't be afraid to go your separate ways if that's what's right for your business. Yeah, no, and I absolutely agree with you. I was, and again, not knowing the situation, that that's my my first thing is, all right, let, is there any way possible to keep the employee? But you're right, there are yeah. situations where it's not. So, yeah. Um, so I'd like to jump in to the other half, which which is very exciting. And and this is where the opportunity for a business comes in from the employee reviews is, is having them review you. And, and again, you, you're, you brought up a great point. You need to be setting this up prior so that they, they trust and feel comfortable in that environment to do that. But if you can do that, it's so much value. You're going to get so much value for your organization and it, and it doesn't cost you anything. So some of the things is like, you know, Jamie, I, you know, it's my turn. I want you to review us as a company. What, what, what are some of the things we've done over the year that you like? What are some of the things you've done that you don't like? Um, what do you, you know, what do you think the perception is of, of, of people out there as an organization is a great place to work? You know, it, if someone asks you, is this a great place to work? And again, not this is our time for brute honesty and there's you know nothing's going to come back at you but if you know if you had a, a few of your ex-colleagues or anybody that came to you and said hey they were thinking about coming to work here and is this a great place to work you know how would you do it how do you think i'm doing as a boss you know what have i done to to help make impact in your career and help you grow your skills where have i where are my gaps where have i fallen short and if you can get that honest conversation, one, that's going to build such a trust factor that the employees, wow, I've never had a company where they're giving me the opportunity to assess them. That's something, this is a special place, A, but B, even more important, you're getting all that data as an organization so that you can improve. You can do those things. You know, what what, what happens is most, in most situations, an employee after the review, they don't like the review or whatever, they wind up leaving. And then, you know, they're having, you know, negative conversations about your company that, you know, that, that that's where glass door gets really scary. And, um, you know, you got to take that with a grain of salt, because it, it's used a lot. But here's the thing, if you do this employee review in the manner that I'm recommending, you can, you can avoid all that, because you're, you're, people are going to get out there. They're, they're not going to want to use Glassdoor to vent because you're giving them an opportunity to vent to you, to tell you the truth. And it's going to help you 
improve yourself and, and, and all that stuff. So, so that, that's why it, again, it, it, it's such an important opportunity that companies are just, you know, they're looking, I don't want to say they're looking on the, the other way purposely, but they're just, they're, it's really just a lost gift that they're not taking advantage of. Right. Right. And I feel like, you know, there's, there's some of those things where people might be saying, but people are going to be afraid to give me feedback. And especially as you're asking feedback about like, you know, what do you think of me? Where can I improve? And you're that person's boss. I think once again, that goes that we talked about is like building that trust outside of that review time that when someone provides feedback, you act on it. You know, you show that you actually do something with it. Versus, you have to build that safe space. You don't, yeah. you can't just build that safe space on the day of review. Yeah. Yeah, that they're used to you not just taking a list of complaints and then being like, okay, you know, to actually show that you take action. If people say, I think this is something we can do better as a business, or here's an opportunity that maybe we should explore, that even if like you know, okay, that's not going to work, you're helping people see why that's not going to work. Hey, tapping into this new market, I think that's a great idea. We actually did some research on that, and here's what we found, and here's why it's not the right fit for us. And then you're showing them, you had a great idea. Here's why we're not going through with it versus I just, I'm just not going to go through with your idea because it's yours and not mine. And, and even some of the other stuff, it's like a lot of those questions that you went through, Steve, like a lot of times in larger corporations, that's what they're asking on an exit interview. Why are we waiting until people are leaving our organization to ask them questions like ask is like, feedback yeah. questions that we really need to know because most this people is- when they're leaving the organization, they're they're not going to tell you the real and honest feedback because they don't care anymore or they're leaving because they're upset. It, it's the silliest thing. It, it's it's one of the unsolved mysteries to me in my career is those exit interviews is like, <laughs> yeah, you, you, exactly. You know, I don't yeah. need to belabor the point you made. You've made a great point of it, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I even knew when I left my corporate job, like I don't think I provided everything I could have in that exit interview because I I knew kind of what happened with those exit interviews. It's kind of like, okay, yeah, whatever. And I was like, I'm not going to provide feedback and make people feel bad as I'm on my way out the door because that's not, you know, that's not productive. You don't want to burn like, bridges. That's the other thing too is when is people they they hold back because they want they don't want to burn bridges. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think it's really important build it into that that process. Build it into you know, reviews. So one of the questions I have about reviews before we start wrapping up for today is how often should reviews happen? So I think, I think at least twice a year, to be honest, I think, I think there should be a a midpoint review so that, um, so that um, action can be taken upon by both the employee and the company um on both ends to to either you know fix what's going wrong or ju- just having that knowing that okay um it's better to know that Jamie wants to go in this direction in June rather than waiting till December to know this and by December she may already have paved the way for her her next thing where if I had spoken to Jamie in June you know we could have put in some measures to, you know, to potentially keep her around and and get her going and what she wants to do. So she's happier here. So twice a year. 
Yeah, I would say, yeah, at least, at least twice a year. I also think like we, you talked about a lot of great questions and stuff, you know, a lot of things to ask them to talk about. I think it's really important as part of those reviews is to include goals. Things are actually supposed to be accomplished in that job, things that are measurable in that job. So that way you kind of know going in, you know, what are, what are we working for? What are you measuring me against as an employee? Making those expectations clear. So if you're coming in to say, hey, you're not doing a good job, like you can actually measure that they're not doing a good job or you're excelling. It's like, here's why you're excelling. It's not just opinion. It is you're actually excelling. Yeah, I forgot that acronym for goal. It was part, it was, it was S-M-A-R-T. I can't think of it. Smart goals. Oh, okay. So yeah, I always forget because they, they're always put in that acronym. So yeah. Yep. To make sure everything's measurable. And like, I think that's a big portion of the reviews is it's not just gathering feedback. It's not just talking about why you like the employee. It's being able to show exactly why they are excelling at their job, why they're doing great things. Because I feel like if we make the conversation too much about like that feedback and that surface level, people are like, all right, well, why am I not getting promoted? Why am I not getting a raise? Or if you have more than one team member, why is that team member getting promoted over me? And so when you bring in those like goals and those measurable things about their job and what they're supposed to be doing day to day, it helps paint that picture on you're doing a good job or you're oh, not yeah, doing that a good actually job. Does, yeah, to, that, that actually improve. part, yeah, definitely part of the, the conversation. Cause you're right. You, you have to have goals, but you want to, you know, the angle I was coming at is you want to create that comfort level so that when you're talking about those goals, you, you want to get agreement and, and alignment as opposed to, you know, people get all feel like they're being judged and, and yeah, you're, you are getting judged to a sense, but um, yeah, no, that, that has to be part of it. <laughs> yes. Yes. 100%. All right, Steve, we have to wrap up for today. So tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Oh, absolutely. So basically just finding me on LinkedIn, I'm, I'm always on LinkedIn. Um, just send me an invite request, you know, and, and, and a lot of people, they, they'll send just a, they'll hit invite request, request, you know, a uh, nice thing LinkedIn is it gives a little bit of um, leeway to put a note in. So, so find me on LinkedIn, but when asking for the request, just put a note on, you know, why, why you'd like to catch up or, Hey, I saw you on the, on Jamie's uh, grow, grow your team podcast and love what you had to say, just a little something. So it gives context, but yeah, LinkedIn. Yeah. Sounds good. And, and of course, you, and you've got my LinkedIn, so you can share. Yes, I got it. And it'll be in the show notes over at growingyourteam.com. All right, Steve. One last question that I love to ask all my guests. We have all had leaders or managers that have stood out to us in our lives. Think of a leader or manager that has stood out to you and share one thing about them. I've had so many that um, I think, (laughs) so it's funny. I had one leader that was leaving, um, that was mentoring me they they had another job that they were leaving too, but they didn't really share. But I noticed the last couple of months they were getting me more involved and everything. And then they they came broke the news and hey, we're leaving, you know, I'm leaving. And she was like a mentor to me. And I said, Well, what what do I do now? I, I don't know what to do. She said, Steve, think back to the last 60 days. What are some things you've gotten involved? I said, Yeah, you've got me involved in a lot. Do you know how to do this? Yeah. Do you know how to do? Yeah. She goes, the throne's yours. Take it. I'm leaving. 
And it was great. And I did. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Helping you, helping prepare you and get you to that next spot. So yes, I love that. All right, Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. And that wraps up this episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow or subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss new episodes. And if your favorite podcast app has the ability, leave a review and let us know what you love about the show. As you wait for the next episode, be sure to follow Growing Your Team on Instagram at Growing Your Team or head on over to growingyourteam.com to access more resources and learn how growing your team can support you as you master the art of hiring.